Welcome to McChesney Unchained, a new show on the DNVR Podcast Network. Before we jump into it, we want you to know that this is a little different than our other shows. Matt McChesney is going to give you an uncensored take on what's going on in the football world, and if you have kids around, you may want to listen to this at another time. McChesney's opinions do not represent those of DNBR, but they are real, and they come from a CU legend who spent six years battling in the NFL trenches. Now, sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 67 of McChesney Unchained on the DNVR.com podcast network. Check out DNVR and all their outstanding content. They cover just about anything and everything on the front range. Mr. Brandon Spano and everybody over there doing a great job. A lot of ass coverage and a lot of nugget coverage right now. And of course, NFL Draft. Like I said, this is episode 67 of McChesney Unchained. And I am your host, as always, Matt McChesney, coming to you from... 6-0 Studios over here at the lab at 6-0 Strength and Fitness, 6-0 Football Academy, where the Dungeon Family gets their grind on. And we have a huge show here for you. We'll try and make it nice and simple and quick like we have recently, other than the hour and 45-minute long show we did like a week ago. Sorry about that. Uh, my man Bobby Pesaveno is back in the studio here, gracing us with his presence on episode 6-7. And obviously, we're going to talk a lot of ball uh, and, and football and quarterback play and buffs and everything that surrounds that. Uh, Mr. Pesavino, brother, how are you? Welcome back. I'm doing great, Chez. Thanks for having me, man. Life. Happy to be here. Life is good, just busy, but, you know, like I said when I walked in, I'd rather be busy than bored. Amen so. to that shit, man. There's a lot of bored people out there, that's for damn sure. Um, we're going to jump straight into this. We're going to try and keep the show under 40 minutes. We'll see how that goes, but we're going to try. Uh just because that's about drive time. So you can get in your car, pop it in, actually listen to some truth. You don't have to listen to the regurgitated bullshit you hear on the airwaves around here, which that's one thing before we get into the quick step. Why in the hell do they just keep recycling the same people on the radio over and over and over again in Denver? That's crazy to me, number one. And then number two, it's amazing to me how the stations bitch about the narrative and then set it. <laughs> Pick one, bro. And can the fan talk about anything but the Broncos? I'm, dude, the crazy thing it's is... It's the same topic over and over and over again. The thing that I hate, and I, I have a really hard time listening to it, because for the first time in a long time, like, CU Buffs basketball is pretty really relevant. Good. Top yeah. 25 They team. never talk about it. I mean, it's crazy. Like, and, and I think it's just Denver. Like, it's not one of the biggest markets, so I don't think it's easy to get somebody here that wants to be on the radio. I mean, how many times have we said to each other, it's fucking Cowtown, bro? It is. It's always it's still be. just still Cowtown. Still fucking Cowtown. So. so, look, man, speaking of men's basketball, I, they're a tournament team. They, you know, I know they hit the skids and had a bad week and so on and so forth, but that's okay. I'd rather them be shitty right now than shitty in the tournament, so... 
We'll, we'll see what happens, but I think they have the ability to win a game or two in the tournament and maybe make the Sweet 16, and that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I think so, too. It'll be fun. I'm going out to Vegas next week for the Pac-12 tournament. Of course so you hopefully are. they can... You got a date in Vegas, baby. Woo! <laughs> All right, so, like I said, that is Bobby Pesavento. I am Matt McChesney, and we are rolling. The 6-0 quick step starts us off, and we've got four steps to take. Go to 60strength.com. Check out the website. Make sure you check everything out at 6-0 Academy on Twitter and Instagram. If you're looking for college football recruiting help and you're looking for placement help and you're looking for developmental help, that's what we do. We put 24 out again this year, and that, my friends, is an entire college football class. So I don't need a staff. All I need you to do is show up and bust your ass and maximize, and I will help you. 60strength.com. All right, number one, the CBA. Collective bargaining agreement for the National Football League. It seems like it's got some traction, and then I talk to the guys that I work with, and half of them have no idea what's in it, and half of them just are going to say no because the other guy's saying no, and the other 1%, okay, actually make all the money and are going to make all the decisions. Now, everybody's going to vote on this, all right, and that's going to be the determining factor of if it passes or not. Um, I find it amazing that one of the main topics is marijuana. And I, not that it shouldn't be, look, I think it should be decriminalized everywhere. Uh, I, I smoke, I use, and I, I think it's medicine if used correctly. Um, I smoked when I was in the NFL and I was in the program because of it. And the whole time I was in the damn program, all they did was talk about alcohol the whole time, which is fucking ridiculous. Um, but I guess full circle when I bring this up as being as transparent as humanly possible here is number one, I feel like the NFL is dangling this in front of the players, knowing that they only drug test them once a year and they've already pretty much decriminalized marijuana. And you got to be a real fucking moron or you're just signed at the wrong time and you take a drug test at the wrong time if you're in the program. If you got a DUI and you're in the program and then you test positive for weed, well, then you're dealing with it. If they're decriminalizing it and they're not gonna, they're not gonna, you know, put guys in the program and find them for smoking weed anymore. That's great, but that shouldn't be the reason we're signing the goddamn CBA. Like, where's the where's the outrage about not having a 50-50 split? Where's the outrage about not having enough revenue for the seventeenth game? I mean, I was in here with Ryan Jensen yesterday, okay? Ryan Jensen signed a $50 million contract with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He was second-team All-Pro last year. When he's talking about the 17th game, this is what they told him. Your game check every two weeks is eight hundred grand or so, which is awesome. Congratulations. That's why we grind in this room, by the way. Been working with Ryan for 10 years. That's why we grind for that right there. He would take a massive pay cut to 250 grand. That's what they're trying to get the players to buy into. Like, why don't we just pay everybody 250 grand for the 17th game? Well, what? What? You want us to add a playoff game, add a 17th game, and you want to pay us less, and you don't want to maximize revenue at 50% for us, including in the NFL, and the NBA players have 55% of the revenue? So... I, I'd love to get your opinion on this as a quarterback and as a leader of men because that's what quarterbacks are. When we played together at CU, you know, it's it's one of the reasons I value your opinion so much. I value Joel's opinion so much is because quarterbacks think differently. You're natural businessmen. So put yourself in position here and talk to the grunts. Talk to the guys who are just worried about legalizing weed and like... You know, they don't really understand the revenue split aspect of it. They don't understand the big picture of the health care. Just, it, it, I feel like this is a very short-sighted 
answer to an extremely complex problem. Let me start by looking at it as a player and as a quarterback and approaching it that way. I think all these guys, these young guys that are you know, going to be involved and having to have a vote around the, their thoughts about the CBA need to become overly educated about every single thing that's in it. The fact that like some of them haven't read it yet is amazing to me. Yeah. I mean, that's the deal. Like you got to have, you have to know what you're voting on. And if you're only hearing a 17th game, but they're going to legalize marijuana, like, you know, I mean, your, your, your decision is going to be skewed because there's a lot more involved in that. So it's on them, in my opinion, to become educated about it and really take that on themselves to figure out what they're voting on. Now, on the flip side, NFL owners aren't stupid, and they do a really good job of manipulating that industry and manipulating that game. And I agree with you 100%. I think it's, I think it's bullshit that if you add an extra game, you expect a guy to take less money. I mean, come on. I mean, You're not going to expand the, the pool of money. You're just going to ask him to... Settle? Yeah, I mean that's just that's stupid. That's stupid. I mean, and I don't, I don't even know how they can rationalize I don't, that. I don't understand it. I, this is my point. Like full circle is, they're everybody is so adamant about just getting it signed. Like let's not let's make sure we're not just signing it just to sign it. Yeah. Like if we're really if I keep hearing this too, Bob, which is amazing to me. I understand that everybody in the National Football League, and I mean everyone, folks, is least rich. Okay, other than the 1%, most people are the least rich. Yeah, okay, right. where you can take your three-year contract, air quotes, right, <laughs> worth $800,000 a year, air quotes, because they can cut your ass whenever they want. Right. And you can go in and leverage that, right, when you get the contract, right, and be like, look, I can like take out a $3 million loan against my contract, and yeah, of course I can cover a $20,000 payment every month. Right. And then you get cut, and you can't. Yeah. And all of a sudden they start mounting up. And how in the hell are they are the players supposed to have any power if they can't even hold out for three months? You can't miss one season. Like as a player in the National Football League, I don't care if you're on practice squad or not. You can't miss a year to get what you need for fifty. Like that is so crazy to me that that's what's holding this up. Really, when it comes down to it. The, the pro group I had in here yesterday, nine guys deep. Okay, McGovern's about to hit free agency and get paid, mm-hmm. and the Broncos should resign him. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But everybody else is Slotman's an undrafted free agent, played on the active roster that year. Sam Jones is a six round draft pick, played on the active roster as a rookie, got cut, went to Arizona on the practice squad last year, you know, on and off. It's just yeah, flipping right. years. Uh, Quinn Bailey, undrafted. Practice squad, you know, the Pat Morris undrafted on and off rosters here, there, so on and so forth. That's what it is. You know this. Yeah, right. If you can get healthy enough to get your second contract, you're part of that 1%, then okay. I guess you can have a different opinion. But the other 99, I can't believe that they're just, they're this short-sighted about this game. Knowing how finite it is and how fragile it is and how your career can be over like this. And you don't even have to do anything. You could just be, they just don't want you anymore. I cannot believe that they can't hold out for a year. They can't strike for a year. They can't work stop for one damn season, Bob. Really? (laughs) Guys who are making that much bread and endorsements and fucking Madden checks and you, you've wasted your money on so much frivolous shit that you can't, you can't take three months off of the football season to get, 
Lifetime healthcare? Holy fucking shit, Bob. I mean, there's <laughs> there's a lot in that statement that you just made. Um, I mean, it, it's it, here's the big, right? Have you ever, I mean, any contract you've ever looked at, no matter what it is, right? I mean, it, it, an NFL contract, uh, signing a mortgage. I mean, are you kidding me? There's so much crap. I couldn't even imagine what that document looks like. Oh, it's and how ridiculous. Many different pages and paragraphs. It's 12 and, pages deep. You know, I mean, like, come but on. The, like, even all the, the bank sees is NFL. Right. Yeah, exactly. But, like, even as a player, like, I kind of get it to where, I mean, you'll start reading and you'll be like, shit, I can't read the rest of this. Like, you pay some asshole 3%, though, to read it. Well, true. Yeah. But, I mean, at the same time, like, I think it'd be hard to, it'd be hard to hold out, especially if you're not like the main guy because you want to play and you want to keep your job and you want to be on that roster. Yeah, and that's therein lies the problem. Well, what are you supposed to do? Well, I mean, that's either at the end of the day, here's my opinion. If you're playing that game at the highest level, like don't get me wrong, we all worked our ass off to try to get there, but you're there and it's a privilege. Okay? You're not going to an office every day. Agreed. So, you can hold out. Good for you. But you know what? There's somebody else who will take your job the second you hold out, and you might not get it back. So it's it's a double-edged sword, right? Because they want I, we all want those guys to be protected and want them to, especially when their careers are over and they're beat to hell and whatever's wrong with them. But at the same time, the NFL knows that if an average guy wants to hold out, great. There's a million other average guys that will put his pads on. Immediately. And look, people have to understand as well, do I think they should strike and try and get better benefits? Of course I do. I'm also retired. <laughs> and I want the goddamn benefit. I'm not going to lie. Okay? Now, <laughs> on top of that, all right, so I have an agenda, all right? On top of that, though, I think what makes the NFL so great is also what pisses me off about it the most. Because it's so cutthroat and ruthless... You kind of like have to be on top of your shit all the time. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that they can just get the fucking rid of you whenever they want, <laughs> and like you don't really have a lot of recourse, it kind of makes it really, really fucking competitive and extremely conducive to people that are hard nosed that can figure it out. And to be honest with everyone, and that's me, I thank God for my time in, in, at, at CU with you and all of our boys and all the shit we went through and winning and losing and success and failure. But the six years I spent in the National Football League and all the ups and downs and changing positions and getting hurt and having to overcome and getting my pension and everything else, it has made the real world a fucking cakewalk, Bob. <laughs> like, regard, everyone's got to deal with something, right? Everyone's going through yeah, something right. you don't know about. I yeah. get it. And I've had to deal with my own personal shit. I've had to deal with business problems and partners quitting and acting like bitches and like having to having to just take over everything and stop fucking pointing fingers at people like they're not the issue. Just take over and fix the problem. But I swear to God, I keep I always hear Coach Wilson's fucking voice in my head. I I he I hear Coach Callahan's voice in my head. I just. I feel like everything that you you go through as a player, if you allow it to, it's going to set you up for what you should be able to handle as a grown-ass man when you get into the world. 
And and the guys that that we know that have struggled significantly, and we know a bunch of them, mm-hmm. and the guys who have even that aren't around anymore that couldn't handle it, and like, and I'm not going to say couldn't handle. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah. Say had issues that resonated in them not being here anymore. Right. Okay, and that's just a fact. Mm-hmm. Is it simply because they couldn't figure out how to take the the football player in them and acclimate it to something in the real world? And that's really the problem. So when these players are sitting here looking at the CBA, and we'll move on from this topic, but it's got to be deeper than just, we're not going to get suspended for weed anymore, sign the contract. I mean, what the fuck are we talking about, guys? This isn't a fucking hip-hop video. Right. I yeah, I, I agree with you 100% around the fact of... But they keep us dumb, Bob. Well, no, you're right. You're right. And and I think just to kind of piggyback off of what you're saying about when guys get done, like, you know, I think they have a hard time. Not that you have to reinvent yourself, but, like, you're not a football player anymore. Nope, like, you over. have to find a new identity, and you got to get out of that world. And you can, and like you said, every everybody that parlays it into something successful it's because they're taking all the stuff that they went through and they learned and they fought through on the football field and taking it to what they're doing today and and not not everybody's capable of doing that and a lot of those a lot of guys get stuck in that gray area of god i still want to be an nfl guy but i guess i gotta go find a job and they can't they can't connect the dots fucking ego bro yeah really just shut that ego man bury your ego and good things will happen but i will say this the gray area is where our fucking union lives, dude. The NFL union right. lives yeah. in gray area. So, again, we'll see what happens. And I, I'm, I don't know. I, I don't really know how I feel about it. I, I'm glad I'm retired. We'll put it like that. Uh, all right. So, next one. Romo, uh, to, the great Tony Romo, and I think he's awesome on CBS, uh, him and Jim Nance, uh, who I also think is awesome. I wish they could do every game, honestly, because Dan Fouts makes me want to burn something to the fucking ground. Romo gets seventeen million from CBS to be the head man. All right, and then I turn on my phone this morning, and all I read is Peyton fucking Manning <laughs> is going to get offered twenty million dollars to do Monday Night Football, and he wants to trade for Al Michaels. <laughs> so he wants to trade Tessator to a different network for Al Michaels, <laughs> and get twenty million a year, and then I'll do fucking Monday Night Football. I mean, look, man. Do I like Bugger McFarlane on Monday Night Football if he's the alternate? I <laughs> I need I need a I want I want a quarterback in the booth. I want a quarterback in the booth. I offensive linemen and defensive linemen are really good on the radio. Okay? They have opinions. They're usually a little fucking weird, and that's a good thing. Yeah. Burger McFarlane's finger being all fucked up is funny <laughs> on the radio and like on ESPN fucking the, on their post game show, but when I turn on CBS and NBC and shit, I want to see somebody that's in charge of the offense, not a piece of it. No offense to myself, and at the same time, I feel like Romo and Manning and some of these guys that actually speak quarterback language and understand the intricacies of the game. So many people think that it's like a grunt meathead sport. And I think it is the most intricately fucking like designed mathematician game you're ever gonna fucking get. And it is 100% chess. It is never checkers. And everybody thinks it's checkers. And one of the things I love about Romo is he 
is constantly telling everybody how much of a chess game it is, and he articulate, articulates it in a way that they can understand. Peyton's going to be able to do that, I think. You imagine how good he could be on fucking Monday Night Football? I, I think he'd be awesome. I mean, I think Holy I think, I think Romo became the best really, really fast at, at calling I games. also think there's a lot of shitty ones. No, there is. There is. But Tony does a great job. Aikman does a great job. I like, I like Troy a lot, you too. Know, our boy Klatt does a great he job. He does kick because, ass, But you, you, hit it, you hit the nail on it's the head. It's quarterbacks, right? dude. Because that's the way... Right, that's the way we always watch film, and that's the way we always approach the game, looking down on it, right, preparing the same way you're watching it. And you guys aren't just looking at your position. No, right. You have to evaluate everything. Yeah. yeah. It makes it really, really different. It is. I can't help but focus on the line of scrimmage. That's all I've done my whole life. Yeah. Your your eyes are up on everything. You have to focus on the line of scrimmage, the snap count, the protection, the run game, the secondary, all the adjustments, everything we're doing, and snap the ball. So it makes it really easy for you guys to sit in the booth and just tell everybody what the fuck is going on. Yeah, and it's no fault to to the big guys that played off as a defensive line. That's just not how they were trained, and that's not how they watched film. And the only reason I can really do it the way I do it is because I played both ways. Yeah, you're right, yeah. So I have a very unique perspective because I was in both meeting rooms getting taught at the NFL level what both systems look like. Most guys don't get that. Most guys are either defensive linemen their whole life or offensive linemen their whole life. Very rarely do you go play defense line your whole life, play two years of defensive line in the NFL, and then get switched to offense for four years and still go to all the defensive meetings. For four years straight, I went to every defensive meeting in the morning and every offensive meeting at night. You can't help but learn. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's what happens. And so, I think do Peyton, you think this happens? Peyton? Ah, oh, gosh. If you were Peyton... And you're making American financing videos, and you're all over Denver. I love Peyton. I, I think too. he's awesome. I foresee in a situation where Peyton and Elway both own the Broncos one day. And like, and one of them, is, and they're running it together. I wonder how that would work, those two guys in the room together, talking about personnel. It's a little different personnel. That would be crazy, right? right? Holy shit. But I, I do foresee that happening. I think he wants to be an owner. Mm-hmm. And I, I know John wants to be an owner, and I know damn well he does. Yeah. So, I don't. I could. I see this move as kind of like a, like it's like a it's like a busy job too. Like I don't know if Peyton really wants to be on a plane every weekend, back into that atmosphere. He just got done doing that for seventeen, eighteen years. Yeah, I don't like Witten got over it really quick. Yeah, I mean, my initial reaction is it's not going to happen. I don't think that's what Peyton wants. I think Peyton wants a much bigger role. I'd love to see. Him. I'd love to see him in that role once, though. Wouldn't you? Yeah, like, love to hear him call a fucking game. Like, yeah. why don't the fucking networks do that then? Why don't they just do, like, bring in a guest commentator every now and then? Why do we have to cut, fucking keep recycling Dan Deardorff and shit? <laughs> He's not really around, is he? I don't think, <laughs> I don't so. think Dan Deardorff's still around. <laughs> <laughs> that Dan Deardorff's fucking mustache is so amazing, though. I love that. Dan Deardorff's fucking mustache, you could run. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure strong. that that's what his pickup was forever. He'd walk up to some fat chick in a bar and be like, hey, I'm Dan Deardorff. And I'm thick and you're thick and you want a mustache, right? I know you do. Come on. I mean, I love that Peyton's just like, uh, maybe, but and you need to trade for Elmer. Maybe not, yeah. If hey, I'll do it, if you give me $20 million and, uh, yeah, trade for Al Michaels. Trade for Al Michaels? We're in the, this in the fucking league? Well, it's the league if I say it is, so yeah, trade right. for Al. Yeah. So we'll see what happens there. I 
I think that there's a lot of good commentators, and then I think there's a lot of shit commentators, and I also think there's a lot of shitty football, though, too, so that makes it really hard. Absolutely. All right, number three, and this one's going to be quick, and I'm only bringing it up because I used to play for the Jets, and I like the Jets, and I want them to win, and they're consistently the most disappointing. I mean, it's figures that I had. I got to play for New York, and I'm cursed to be a fucking Jet fan for the rest of my life. Uh, Quentin Williams, the number three pick from last year, really, really good kid. But I, every time I hear him talk, I'm like, this is the most naive fucking dummy I've ever met in my life. This is the guy who sneezed on national TV and said, bless you to himself. Achoo, bless you. Thank you. And then thanked himself. And that's a fact. Look it up. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. He's a good young player. He's replacing Leonard Williams, but he's going to get suspended because what did Quentin Williams do? He took a Glock 19 on a fucking plane. Dude, I know you have a permit for it, dickhead. I get it. Everyone knows you have a permit for it. That's great. You cannot take a Glock 19 on a fucking plane, idiot. You have to check it and like fucking lock it in the case and give it to them. And then they put it under the plane and give it to you when you get to the airport. You can't walk it into the fucking security line. And pull it out like, oh, what do you want me to do with my Glock 19? <laughs> They're going to arrest your stupid ass. Yeah. I mean, how fucking stupid is this? This is like, this, this is the, this might be the dumbest story of the year so far. You know, sadly, in life, you can't fix stupid. <laughs> God, that's At Christ. all. You cannot Jesus fix stupid. Christ. I mean, who is, what where, are you where's doing? his handler? Holy who's fucking not, shit. Like, where's his handler? Like, something. Like, who's, like, <laughs> the agent calls like, yo, yeah, like, let me talk to your handler. Hey, here you go, dog. He needs to talk to you. Yo! The fuck are you doing? <laughs> if you're making decisions like that, you need this is somebody some, like, by this your is, side. This is some, like, fucking uh, baller shit. Yeah. This is some shit that happens on a TV Seriously. show. For real. This is like the, who's that guy that got caught with a fake dick? <laughs> the dude from, the running back from Oregon. He played for the Vikings. His last name was Orlando Smith or Orlando Smith or something like that. And they caught him with a fake dick whizzinator in the, in the oh, airport, really? like, so he's smoking dope like a fiend. And he's like, I'm smoking so much dope that I can't stop smoking dope, and I am I got a fake cock whizzinator. And they caught him, and he got suspended for like a year. Can't fix stupid. Can't fix stupid. So I'm sure that the stupidity will only increase as the weather warms up and guys uh, are not really doing anything but being in OTAs. And that's really the, the, the OTA period of football season is like get into get into the weight room, get in there as a team, get all the guys signed, get everybody in, and then everyone try not to fuck up so we can actually get everybody in <laughs> camp together. Okay, so try not to smoke yourself stupid, and try not to get DUIs, and try not to pack too much heat. Glock nineteen, and let's see if we can get to camp as an entire team instead of like having four guys suspended because we can't control ourselves. A little off top, not kind of on topic, but. Not that we discussed this, but it just I just thought about it. So I was in Dallas last weekend, yeah. okay? And went out to dinner with my cousin to a, a cool steakhouse that's in Dallas, all right? We walked in. Emmett Smith was there with a group of guys nice. at a table. Nice. Everybody was cool. Des Bryant was there with a group of guys. Nice. Zeke Elliott comes in with his crew. And I don't know if this is by his choice or Cowboys demand it, but literally they had a, a Dallas police officer standing in front of his table so if anybody even came close to him like just what do you want yeah literally like you can't he he makes too many dumb decisions that i have to stand here and make sure that he's got a handler nobody approaches this table. yeah 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 i mean he would literally emmett was there nothing 
Des Bryant was there. Not the no everybody. He, they were cool, but Ezekiel they needed a cop, a fucking bodyguard. In. Seriously, I mean, but that's. And I'm thinking probably the Cowboys ego, bro. That might be a Cowboys decision. It may be a Cowboys if decision. You want to go out like like look, Zeke. You, you know, we actually need you to be here. Yeah. And we can't have you suspended. And if you can't make decisions that are conducive to signing a six year contract for eighty million dollars, and we feel like the minute you sign this contract, you're going to get fucking suspended. Then here's Teddy the cop, and he's going to follow you around for the rest of your Some life. Some old man tried to make a move to get over by. I'm probably trying no, to get an autograph. Just and just got, got stonewalled by the, by the cop. <laughs> fucking nope. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine though? Would you take eighty million to be babysit? Sure. You would. You sure. would let somebody follow you around and like monitor your every move for eighty million for eighty million dollars. Yeah, why not? Eighty million dollars a lot of money. Yeah, it is. For what, 10 years? So I think it's got seven or eight, something okay. like that. Yeah, I mean, it's I a could, ton of fucking sure, bread. I could handle that. So you get to monitor, but that's the thing, like, is he, can you pay him off? You think you can pay <laughs> the cop off? Be like, hey, bro, <laughs> like, if I throw you some change, will you let me get away with some shit? I doubt it, because I would think that Jerry's got a little Jerry's more Jerry's probably, yeah, there you go. Can. Yeah, okay. <laughs> You're going to need a big bonus. Okay, so let, we'll see. We'll see, but apparently Zeke's got a handler. Pretty much. Quentin needs one. Yes. Glock 19. Not smart. All right, number four on the 6-0 quick step here. Remember to go to 6-0strength.com. Check it out. This is episode 67, McChesney Unchained. We're about halfway through. Uh, we're going to start talking about your Golden Colorado Buffaloes here in a minute. Uh, but we want to get into the Broncos real quick. So, number 15. I don't really give a shit who you pick as long as it's not one of the receivers. Because I feel like there's... There were, what did I read? There were 27 receivers with at least a second round grade. Yeah. And there's not 27 receivers going in the first two rounds. So I'd like to think that we can get that guy in the second, third, fourth round. Um, now, the free agencies before the draft. So with Jason Peters getting released yesterday and Trenton Williams being on the trade block and Washington willing to deal him, if I'm Denver, even with the Jawan James signing last year, I don't give a shit how much money we have to spend on the O-line to make it right. I am re-signing Connor McGovern immediately because I know what he is, and I don't want to replace my center, especially when him and Locke have rapport. They played together in college. They trust each other. They understand each other. That It's important. A center and a quarterback relationship, as you know, is very yeah. important, especially because I know how the top of your hand smelled dealing with Andre <laughs> for two years. Okay? Here, smell. No, get away from me. I'm not smelling anything. Leave me alone. So... I'll say this, got to resign McGovern, give him what he wants, because if you don't, he's going to Green Bay or God fucking forbid Kansas City, and I'm not bullshitting folks, he's one of my boys, I work with him all the time, you better resign this man. You just let Billy Turner leave, $28 million to Green Bay, they were playing in the NFC title game, he should have been in Denver, okay, move Jawan somewhere else, bring in at least one of these two. And then you got Reisner, McGovern, Jawan James, Peters, Williams. That's a fucking big-ass aggressive O-line. You might be able to do something with that. Even if you don't bring both of them in, one of these two guys needs to be in Bronco Orange and Blue, bro. I cannot watch the wasteland of offensive tackle anymore. Jawan Jawan didn't even play last year, and the narrative is a little fucked up, and I was a little hard on him when I didn't know. And I think that the Broncos are a little bit more to blame right now than he was. I honestly, in his position, I don't know if I would have played either, especially if they're misdiagnosing the knee injury. And that's a rumor, but it's also got some salt. And then the left tackle is a 
fucking window liquor, dog. He's a mental cripple, and I can't get around it. And I, I don't even. I look, man. I don't even think that Garrett thinks it's a problem, and that's the problem. And that's why I can't just be. I can't be civil about it anymore, because we've got a young but but busting star at quarterback who I think really has a chance to be pretty good if we do it right. And if that's your left tackle and you're asking Drew to fucking develop, I mean, come on, dude. Who Your best friend on earth in 01 was Victor fucking Rogers. And Dre was a better player. Oh, yeah. But yeah. Vic is your blind. Yeah. He's your blindside protection. We can always slide away with the four other guys because Vic can handle anybody. Right. No, you're right. Bulls can't handle anyone, and it's a constant liability issue. As the quarterback, is that not the most frustrating thing on earth? Because every time we have a good play, what does everyone in Denver do every time the Broncos have a good play? Where's the fucking flag? flag. Where's the flag on 72? I mean, it's been very glaring, what, the last three to four years, what the problem has been. It's been terrible. I, I don't understand how he still has a job. If they have a chance... To solidify a very strong offensive line through free agency or a trade, they need to go do it immediately. So, I mean, you go get Trent Williams or Jason Peters. I don't think you need to pick an offensive lineman at 15. No, you don't. And then I might actually get down with picking a fucking receiver that runs 4 2. For sure. But if they don't go do either of these or they don't go address it at all, they don't get the fucking Jack Conklin kid from Tennessee who's a monster as well who's going to hit free agency. If they don't get one of these guys, even though they went and got Juwan last year, who gives a shit? And most good teams have great tackle play. Yeah, right. And like you said, I mean, and and everything we've heard from Elway is, you know, hey, Drew Locke's our guy. He's so if he's gonna be your guy, you better, you protect, better protect him. Protect his ass, especially as a young kid learning this game. It's one know? of the reasons I think McGovern is also such a huge part of it. McGovern played left tackle for for Missouri when Locke was a freshman. So they know each other really well, and like it's. I love the fact that they're here together when he's a rookie and Connor starting at center. Like, I don't think breaking that little relationship up is very smart for the mental development of your quarterback and the security part of it. Yeah, I don't think that moving Connor on when he was so intricate in Dalton Reisner's development is very smart either. Yeah, right. Keep that piece. I think he can be as good as Tom Nalen. I really, really do. Because, look, if Tom wasn't on a good team, he wouldn't be Tom Nalen. Right, so let's true. be real. If yeah, the yeah, team's yeah. better, your offensive line is better, and you're going to get more hype. So I think Connor has all the tools to be a great player, and he already is. I truly believe it. Yeah. The rest of the offensive line, we got big question marks, and I like love Reisner at left guard. The other three spots are open. Let's fucking see what we can see. Ron Leary's not coming back, so I guess we'll see. Go make a splash. Yeah, man. Go go see if Jason Peters will come in on a one-year deal with a one-year option. And I know he's had some injury issues, but he's 30 fucking eight. Yeah, right. He's also made nine Pro Bowls, and he's super athletic. And you put him at left tackle, and he stays healthy and hits. And I'm telling you, all your problems are over. And you'll, everybody will forget Garrett Bowles' name really fucking fast. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that was the uh, six-year quick step, and it wasn't quick by any means. It was about a 40-minute fucking long-ass lean step. It was like a big, fat offensive lineman running a four-ever with a sundial, but that's okay. Check out 6 strengthcom I'm Matt McChesney. That is Bobby Pesavino, and we are rolling. Uh, the Sunkiss Denver Golden Moment is obviously the Colorado Golden Buffaloes 
hiring Carl Durrell. Uh, make sure you go check out Sunkiss Denver on Instagram. And uh, any of you guys out there that are looking for a kick-ass gift idea for your lovely, for your girlfriend, for your wife, whatever, the organic spray tan over here at Sunkiss that is housed by Six Zero is pretty awesome. And my wife, Michelle, does a great job. Check out Sunkiss Denver, and they bring you the golden moment here. So the Colorado Buffaloes, okay? Hire Carl Durrell as the head coach. Um, 35 and 27 record at UCLA. Played against them in 03. Team was fucking hard-nosed. They they played hard. Mercedes Lewis dropped the ball like three times for touchdowns. They could, easily could have beat us in Folsom. Um, we'll talk about Darrell here in a second. Rodriguez, uh, the Rodriguez offensive line coach, Mike Rodriguez, he's got a ton of experience. I know nothing about him. When I know something, Buffalo country, you'll know. I promise. We'll talk about what we're doing. All right? I love Tyson Summers staying as the defensive coordinator. I've said this before. I'll say it again. I think that a lot of people thought Mel Tucker was the reason that they were throwing intricate blitzes at Stanford and Washington at Utah. And in actuality, it was Tyson. So Tyson was the one coming up with them and the one calling them. And I was on the damn sideline listening to it happen right in front of me, so I know what I'm talking about. Uh, the DB coach from Arizona is a huge hire. The quarterback coach is a huge hire. I dig it. I like bringing in T.C. McCartney as the as the quarterback coach or as the tight end yeah. as the tight end coach. I dig that. Um, but in my opinion, the two most influential signings after Durrell are Shiv getting the offensive coordinator position mm-hmm. and Coach Wilson coming back as the defensive line coach. And I'm biased because he was my coach for five years, and he's like a father to me. But I'm also super excited because he's a Super Bowl-winning defensive line coach. He understands how to develop talent, and I think that's the deepest position. Mustafa, Lang, Sammy, Carson Wells, Lambin at the Mike linebacker. The front seven for CU next year could be as fucking salty as some of the front sevens we that were, were there when we were there, and I was playing on. So... Yeah. I want to get your opinion first, though, on Shiv as the offensive coordinator because we already saw this kind of once, right? We did, yeah. And I think it's great that that Shiv is still here. He's a great recruiter. He relates well to the kids. I'm really glad he's staying. Um, He has a good offensive mind, I think, and just more of developing it and continuing to get better at it, you know. And I think he'll be helped. Can't even think of the guy's name that's coming in as the quarterback coach, but he's coached a lot of good guys when he was at Arizona. I mean, Oregon State put a handful of dudes in the NFL, so I think it's going to be uh, is it give a, and take a joint group effort, you know? But he's the offense; he's making the play calls, right? That's what we've been told. So, yeah, so, so Shiv is the play caller. If I remember correctly, wasn't he the co-offensive coordinator three years ago? Two years ago. Two years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when. Tucker came in, they made Jay the offense coordinator, and they demoted Shiv, right? Correct, yeah. Okay, so look, I'm glad Shiv's staying. I said this before, I'll say it again. I wish that he would have handled the perceived slight of not being the head coach a little differently, considering all the kids in college football are told to act like pros, and they're not. That's all I'm saying. I I understand that it's a slight. I get it. I've been slighted in my life, too. It sucks. It hurts. But when you're asking the kids who all just had every single one of their coaches walk out for more money, when you're asking them to be professionals and they're really amateurs, we need to act like professionals if we actually are. And I'm really glad that he stayed and he's going to move forward as the offensive coordinator and he deserves that job. I don't like using the word deserve, but I'm using it here. 
He does deserve it. He deserves the shine. He is an unbelievably good recruiter. He is the backbone of that place right now. Even Absolutely. with Darrell coming yeah, in, sure. Shiv's the fucking backbone. So the backbone needs to be sturdy and strong, and I really think it is. And this is an opportunity for Darren to really take over this offense and blow it up into what he wants it to be fully because now he has total control. And if he's pissed off about not being the head coach, well, brother, this is your opportunity to prove to everybody you are one. And Darrell's 60. Who's to say that you're not the next head coach in five to six years from now? It easily could happen like that. It's very possible. So Shiv's still a young guy, and I, I really, I'm so glad he's staying. So... Where do you? How do you think his offense is going to involve with a young quarterback and not really knowing what they're going to Stenstrom leaving? And I don't really give a shit that he's leaving. Yeah, Leave. I don't think that's a big. That's loss. not a big deal, um, but I think that that's also a little writing on the wall that this new kid, that the the kid from Texas, Brandon Brandon Lewis. I Lewis, think? that's right. Yeah. I like. I mean, he's. I know they're really high they're on him. Really, they're really, they like him. him. He can move in the pocket. He can dig. He ran four five. Like. Yeah, I mean, I think he's. I think Tyler Lytle's a pretty good player. We haven't really seen him thrown into the fire yet and put the lights on, but I think he's probably the most talented of the ones that are coming back. Do you think that he gets the nod from an experience standpoint, or do they just roll with the rookie? You know, I don't know. And, and, this is, and I don't know this. Maybe is is the freshman on campus? Oh, he early enrolled, So yeah. he'll be here for spring he's, ball? He's there right now lifting and running. And from Look, I work with Austin Johnson, who's – if he's not one of the starting offensive linemen up there next year, there's something fucking wrong. Yeah. Okay, because he's an he's an unbelievable leader. He's unbelievably vocal. He's already bitching at guys up there about not working hard, and that's how you know he gives a shit. You know, I always find it amazing when I hear like college guys complaining, and then I'm like, yeah, I and mean, then I watched you post on Twitter two days ago that you want to play in the NFL, but keep fucking bitching about working out, kid. So he's the anti diva. Yeah, he's down here three days a week perfecting his craft. He was here yesterday. It's just when I when I talk to him about this, he raves about Lewis in the weight room. He's vocal. When they go out and do throwing drills, he's always the first quarterback up. And it's not it's not I don't think it's going to be the coaches determining who the quarterback is, Bob. I think the quarterbacks are going to determine who the quarterback is. I think he's the type of kid that's going to go in and take the job. Yeah, I do too. Um, I would not be surprised at all if he's the starter. Yeah, me neither. And I think... I hope he is, shit. And the way, you know, college football has has moved, you know, these guys that are really good now in college football, they can run, they can do things with their feet. As physically gifted as Steven Montez was, he did everything I can't believe he ran a 4-5 at the combine. Where the fuck was that (laughs) 4-5? I don't know. He, he played so much slower. And I, I so need to talk slower. to you about that, too. Finish our point on Lewis, sure. and i yeah. got to talk to you about something I, with Montez. I think what Shiv wants to do offensively, this, the young kid from Texas, yeah. is, the, is the right fit. So because he can move around. You know, he can, you can throw these quick screens, get the ball out of his hands, build some confidence before you ask him to push the ball down the yeah. field. So, um, I, like, I agree with you, man. I think he's probably the guy, unless he just comes he in and he just can't it. handle it once spring ball starts and he sees it live. But... Everything I've heard about him is is pretty special. So. I'm pretty excited about it. I'm not going to lie. It's been a long time since they started a young guy at the quarterback yeah, position really up in time. Boulder. Yeah. Uh, and the last time they did it, the last the guy's name was Hawkins. So I can't. I like Cody. He's a good kid, but he sh- shouldn't have started as a freshman. That's all I'm saying. No. Um, so that said, I like Shiv as the OC. I think it's a it's a good hire. We can move forward with that. Like Rodriguez, don't know much about him. Did some research. It, he's got 25 years of experience. Guy knows what he's doing. 
If Carl Durrell and Rick George trust the hire, I trust the hire. Yeah, By the way, Rick George, brother, you are the fucking man. I love you, okay? <laughs> I know I told you that on the phone the other day, and I truly mean it. You're the man. Thank you so much for how much you care about this place. Because I'm telling you, bro, we were there with Dick Thorpe. Yeah. And Dick got a bad rap, bro. I thought Dick Thorpe was fucking awesome. He, he cared he about us. us. He, he loved, loved us. the guys. He knew everybody. Dick knew everyone's name. Absolutely. From the fucking walk-on kids that just got there to the guys that were fucking making the money for the university and winning games. Yeah. He knew everybody's name. He knew the problems you were going through. He gave a shit. He put his arm around you. I remember when I got kicked out of school and I didn't get to play in the Fiesta Bowl. Dick Tharp was like the second phone call I got. Keep your head up. We need you to come back. Yeah, yeah. And I thought they did him fucking super dirty. Yeah, they did. Okay? Yeah. But Rick, Rick is really solidified not only the position of Colorado, but what it's supposed to be. Like the feeling that I get when I talk to Rick, he knows what it is. And he knows what we expect. We don't have to explain why we feel the way we feel. Right. Because we've, I consider us, our generation, part of the 90s, honestly. Because in 04, it ended. Yeah, right. The Barnett era ended, yeah. the fuck, or in 05. But in 04 was the last time we won a bowl game. Yeah. We had, we had any testicles, in my opinion. And I'm biased to that, too. But at the same time, step at me about that shit. Let's have a conversation. If you think that there's another, other than the 2016 team, which was a fucking senior-led enigma, in my opinion... Because they damn sure weren't winning before that, and they weren't fucking winning after. And it was just a a bad year for the Pac-12, but a great year for us. I'm not trying to diminish anything, so stop being fucking sensitive, (laughs) and I'll try to. But I will say that I love what Rick's doing. He's doing an awesome job. And don't be surprised if Lance Carl is a budding superstar athletic director. Because... He might be the the guy that takes over in Boulder, and I hope he is when Rick decides to retire down the road. Because Lance is a fucking superstar yeah, too. LC is mean, the man, and he is being groomed so well by Rick yeah. right now. And the man. the way that these two, because I know LC and how intricate he was in all the hiring and connecting the dots and doing all the work. Him and Rick, when they sat down, and I love how buttoned up they keep everything. Information doesn't leak like it used to. That place used to be a fucking yeah, sieve. Right. Yeah. It's not anymore. And and LC LC is a chameleon, bro. LC can literally talk to and get along with anyone. So I love the leadership up there right now. And that takes us back to we'll talk about Chris Wilson here in a minute, but Carl Durrell, okay? Coach Durrell, I the hypocrisy of this of this statement. We want Eric Bienemy as our head coach because he's an NFL coach. We don't want Carl Durrell as our head coach because he's been in the NFL for 12 years. I'm like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? That's the same statement, and you just took one word out. I think Carl Durrell, I personally think, Bob, this entire goddamn coaching staff, including the head coach, just got, like, monumentally upgraded. I, I agree. I think 100%. we're in a way better position than we were with Mel Tucker. At every, other than the offensive line coach, because I really liked Coach Cap. Yeah, And I, I liked him, and I thought he did a really good job, and I, I talked to him on the phone about 10 times before he left, and I know he was tore up about it, but he had to do it. Yeah. He had to do it. I don't know much about Rodriguez. And other than that one hire I just don't know about, I think we're better at every single fucking position, bro. I think Every one of them. I think Carl is, is a great coach. I mean, I, and if you want to talk about EB, EB didn't want this job. I'm glad he didn't I take think, it. I don't think it would have been a, it would have been a terrible, terrible. decision. Terrible. He's an NFL coach. A year away from being an NFL head coach. Mark my word. And I'm saying this out. I've said it before and I'll say it again. And I stand by it. 
after the Broncos underachieve because they have a young offense, a young offensive mind, and they have Pat Shermer, who won't think out of the box and just wants to have a job, and Vic Fangio, who's a defensive-minded, almost 70-year-old coach, when he gets fired or they underachieve and go and go 7-9 and nine again, Eric Bieniemy will be the next coach in the next coach in Denver. Okay, I like it. I'm calling it. All right. He's the next okay. next year at this time. Eric Bieniemy will be will be talking about Bieniemy putting the pro style Mahomes offense in Denver with Drew Locke. All right, I dig it. I'll take it. I'm uh, taking that shit. I'm on it. The fact that back to coach yeah, right here. No, no, sorry. no. Back to coach. Stay on topic, Matt. I I took you off topic. That's yeah, so. true. It's um, your fault. <laughs> Did you hear that? <laughs> Bobby just said it was his fault. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> I think the best part about Coach Durrell is that Coach Durrell 100% wants to be in Boulder, Colorado. This is not a Mel Tucker stepping stone job. If He he wants to be here. And Say that again for everybody that didn't hear. He wants to be Carl Durrell here. wants to be in Boulder. He built it's a house here a like stepping 20 stone years ago. Job. He still has it. And this is where he wants to be. This is where he wants to coach. He's gotten a great staff behind him. And it's just, I, I agree, man. I think we're in a better place than when, you know, a year ago or, hell, a month ago. A month ago, Whatever, yeah. however you want to look at so it. So what? how do you foresee Darrell handling, number one, the expectation, and then the schedule that we have coming up is rather daunting, but I dig it. It reminds me a lot when we played and who yeah, we played. Right. Colorado's got Colorado State, Washington State, Washington. <laughs> we got Missouri. We got Nebraska. We play the hardest schedule every damn year. Today we got a 70, 60, 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, 5, 2, and a half, 0. And at the end of it, we're going to be a hero or zero who you want to be. And if you don't know who that is, then you don't know us very well. We love you, Doc. Oh, man. I, uh, I think... Here's the thing. The other thing that really impresses me about Coach Terrell when I look back, he took UCLA to five bowls in five years. Two 10-win seasons. The only thing he couldn't do was beat, beat USC, USC when they were cheating. Cheating their asses team. off! Yeah, that's all he couldn't do. So, and, that, and you know, and UCLA is a place that, you know, they're really they're not great all. They're not very good all Bro, the time. Bro, they're a basketball I mean? school, homie. So, so the fact UCLA that is a total basketball yeah. school. Think about it like this. I said I, I played against Terrell when he was a rookie head coach, okay? The year they got Embry... Yeah, right. EB was the OC, like Barnett didn't retain him or whatever happened. Yeah. I don't know what happened. Who gives a shit? Obviously, I was pretty hurt. I'm yeah. not going to lie. It's yeah, when yeah. Doc Crease left. It's when EB left, when Embry left. And, like, they replaced him with Ted Gilmore, who's a nice guy, but whatever. And the fucking running back coach, whatever his name was. Yeah. And, like, who gives a shit? Yeah. And losing those guys hurt and we played against them in 03 and Folsom and the year before in 02 it was right after we won the Big 12 and we were rolling people yeah and Chris Brown went for like 1900 oh, that year yeah. remember yeah. the year the week before SC came to Folsom and shit stomped us bad we got beat 40 to 3 at home we were both ranked it was nasty and we made a choice the next week and I had medical redshirt I broke my leg but they went to to the Rose Bowl, and they ran for 370 yards against this team and just beat the shit out of UCLA. The next year, UCLA came in under Durrell, and we beat them 16-14 to 14 in Folsom, and it was a fucking dogfight. Yeah. Dogfight. We couldn't run the ball. They were really tough on defense, and the team, Mercedes Lewis literally dropped like three touchdown passes in the game. That guy's still playing, by the way. I, I look at it as... I like the fact that our head coach is cool, calm, and collected and isn't going to freak out on the sideline. Me too. Like, I, the more I 
think about the Mel Tucker era, the more I feel like we just got conned by a really good con man. And at, But at the same time, that's the nature of the business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can look at it both ways, right? Everybody, including both of us, would probably jump in a $30 million contract. Yeah. Especially if he's not a buff. Right, exactly. Yeah. So they went and got a guy and Darrell that actually wants to be here. Like you said, his daughter is a graduate. He has a home here. This is where this is his last job. Oh, absolutely. Is. Yeah. I also love the fact that Rick George is aware enough to keep extending opportunities to minority coaches. I think it's huge. It is so goddamn smart. Yeah. And I don't really think it has in reality, I don't think it has anything to do with the hire. It just Caldwell just happens to be an African American, yeah. but if he was a, if he was Chinese, he'd still get the job because he is who he is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and they know yeah, each yeah. other. The fact that he that Rick George was so calculated about how he got the replacement for Mel, and no one even knew that Carl was a wasn't a candidate until yeah. he was the head coach, tells me that it was a very 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 thought out move. And they both sat down man to man and said, okay, if I'm going to do this job and I'm going to come back to Boulder, I need time. I'm not, I'm not jumping ship. I need to be able to hire a staff that I also know is not going to. And we're about to talk about Coach Wilson in a minute. But just elaborate on this a little bit because I really, really am, am interested to see where you think this can go, bro. Well, I love the, I love the fact that there's – Still a, a black head coach in Boulder. I, mean, I love it. I think it's it goes huge. Along, it goes a long way, especially for the black athlete that comes to that city. That I mean, it's because no, it's, because it's, the it's an awakening. It, I mean, absolutely, it is. And um, for how long have we heard the fucking bullshit that actually does happen? It's not like we can't. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, that never happens in Boulder. No, right. Uh, right. My my boys that are that are African Americans, I can't tell you how many fucking times we've not only been in fist fights defending them. Or we, I had to like, like calm him down, like get him out of a situation where there's just some dickhead white person being a dickhead white person. <laughs> well, you're right. It's uh, facts. So I, I think that's a big thing. I think his his experience, his I, I love what you said too. He's cool. He's calm. He's collected. That goes a long way with young kids. Huge. Man. You don't need a guy who, especially when the entire world is built around hype and bullshit. Exactly. Just he's gonna come in. He's gonna make these kids tough. The team's gonna be tough. They're going to know their roles. They're going to know their job. And that's what that's how you win. You don't win because you're the loudest idiot on the sideline or the loudest guy in the locker room. Well, think about it. The Like last year, if you, I think you were at this. Did you go to the – we went to the Washington game, right? You went to every game, if I remember correctly. Yeah, you yeah, were there. Yeah. And in the locker room, Mel was like screaming and yelling and throwing shit around. And I dig the hype, but what's the mess – like what's our mess – yeah, right. What's the message? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Let's let the O-line, D-line coach do the fucking, you know, let's fucking go kill someone shit. That's what we're here for. Yeah. Let the grunts do that. Right. The guys that are in charge of actually thinking about the game plan and instituting it, I need. I don't need him emotionally charged. That's like having General fucking Patton back there. He's just like, well, I don't feel good about this, so bomb everyone. <laughs> it just doesn't work like that. You feel me? <laughs> I mean, I look at our experiences together, right? 
but we that's what we had, right? You, Gary was super calm and collected, and bro. Then you had Coach Coach Marshall, Coach Marshall, Nutjob, and, and Wilson, Wilson, and they're over there like fist fighting each other in the fucking <laughs> practice and shit, and like people are getting down, and that's what we. But and, you rallied behind those guys because they were really, really good at it, and it came from it actually came from a good place. That's just who they were. Right where Gary was, it's not a fabricated exactly. fight. It's yep. not something we made up. No, if we're gonna, f- that's why Gary never fought, cared if we fought. Yeah, like the coaches that are like, no fighting. Like, well, okay, if it's a made up fight, we're just doing it to fight. Then okay, but if there's offensive line coaches and defensive line coaches choking each other on the field, <laughs> that is passion. Yeah, that's that is guys who want to win. Absolutely, that's exactly what it is, man. And I think. I'm excited. I was don't get me wrong, man. I was, I was, I wasn't mad at Coach Tucker for taking I the money. I was mad. I was mad at how too. he handled the situation. Um, I, I yeah, okay, I'm with that because like, I I sat in the office. I have four guys in here committed to see you: Caden Dunley, Anthony Costanzo, Chase Penry, and Braylon Nelson. And I've had to calm down all the parents. We've had to have meetings and yada. And I sat in that office with with Coach Tucker and listening to to them bullshit everyone. Yeah. I don't care that he took the money. I really, really care that he went to a booster event and lied to everybody all night. And, and shady, while he was negotiating was a contract, it's yeah. fucked up. It was terrible. Um, but I, you know, I agree, man. I think we're in a we're in a better place. We have a guy who wants to be here, who's got great experience. He's won as a college head coach at a place that doesn't win all that much. What are they doing with Hagan? I think he's still the running back. Right, he's running back yeah. coach. Right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. That's what I thought. And I'm really. Uh, uh, Darian's never going anywhere. No, uh, you fire Darian Hagan and don't retain him, and I'm coming up there. We're having yeah, a fucking problem. DH stays there forever. For sure, all right. Yeah. If he doesn't, and even when he wants to retire, he can just have an office. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, DH. You're the man. Uh, but I want to end the show here today talking about something that is personal to me, um, and that's the hiring, the rehiring of the great Chris Wilson. And I've been on the phone. I knew about this ten days before it was going to happen. Uh, you know, the minute I heard Darrell was going to be the head coach, I text coach Wilson and said, you know, Carl, right? And he said, yeah, I'm going to be the D line coach. Don't fucking tell anybody. And I'm like, okay, now the reason that I am the way I am is because of two men, Dave McChesney, God rest his soul and Mr. Chris Wilson and coach Wilson. It, it, coach Wilson inherited Brayton and Bannon. He inherited the 2001 team, right? Yeah. Coach Wilson recruited me. Coach Wilson was the reason. Well, actually, that's not true. Buddy Wyatt recruited me. And Coach Wilson got hired by Gary after Gary, you know, replaced Neuheisel. So, like, Mike McKinn, Dudley, and Costanzo, and Nelson, and Chase, and all the kids I work with concerned about what's going on. It's crazy because it happened to me in high school. I was the first commit of my class yeah. in, in the 2000 class. I committed to Neuheisel as a sophomore uh, at the Baylor game when they wore the black helmets and the gold jerseys. Was awesome. Um, I know what it feels like to sit in the room and be conned, Coach Newheisel, and you know I doubt he listens to the podcast, but if he does, Tricky Ricky, you're good at that shit. You can Tricky Rick the shit out of somebody, Tricky Ricky. Um, so he was a little bit of a con man himself. And remember, Tricky Ricky went to fucking Washington, had great success in 2000. They came to Folsom yeah. and beat us, and Larry Triplett was crawling all over your ass the whole game. I remember that one. Like every time Marwan would switch sides, Larry would switch sides. We're like, fuck. <laughs> 
<laughs> Poor Marwan. There's true freshman out there chasing around a first-round draft pick. Uh, Larry Triplett. Everybody's got a Larry Triplett, though. My Larry Triplett is Adrian Peterson. In 04, in the Big 12 title game, Adrian Peterson went for like 230 on us and broke my arm in half trying to tackle him. It was disgusting. Everyone's got a Larry Triplett. So my, my point is this, though. Neuheisen went to Washington. He ended up getting in a ton of trouble, and they had early success, and he was gone, and the program went in the tubes. Yeah. They're already dealing with the scandal in Spartyville. Right. Oh, so yeah. God knows what's going to happen up there. I, I think that this hire for Durrell is as close to Gary as you're going to get. And I love that he brought in Coach Wilson. I mean, not only that, but Coach Wilson was so excited. When he called me and said, I'm going to be the D-line coach, I started hysterically crying in my <laughs> fucking basement. Like, this is incredible. I'm so happy. Like, my wife's like, what happened? And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, it took me 10 minutes to explain it to her. She thinks something's wrong. But he's on the phone like, Matt, shut the fuck up. You're going to make me cry. I got to go. This is a serious. I'm like, oh, I love you. Like, it's just, it's different because I'm excited my guy's coming back. I'm excited he's home. And he's, you know, I can say this about him. And, it, it, you know, at the college level, there's not a ton of interaction from other side, the other side of the ball. There's right? not. Because you're so dialed into what you're doing. Except. With him. But he was like the coolest guy. He would always come over and mess around with us yeah. and talk shit to us. And he was just, he was fun to be around on top of being a great coach <laughs> so check and a this great out. dude, you know? Like, I love that you brought that up just now. So I'm in here with Austin Johnson yesterday, right? And I'm in here at the same, I posted a picture yesterday at Sixer Academy on Twitter of Dudley, myself, and Austin, past, present, future. Because mm -hmm. Dudley's a commit, Austin's there now, and of course, my old ass. So I'm sitting there talking to him and, and, Coach Wilson has already been part of the winter conditioning. You remember that shit oh, with the yeah. flags and, and, you know, fucking Raw King didn't run through the line. Raw, you're going to be back with DeAndre at the strip club in Houston. I'm going to come by. You're going to let me in for free. Yeah, thanks, Raw. Let me in the strip club for free. <laughs> and But it's the same thing. Right when we start talking about it yesterday, I'm like, how was winter how was conditioning? He goes, I fucking love Coach Wilson, bro. And I'm like, yeah, what did you do? He goes, so we have this we have this guy and he was struggling and <laughs> I know awesome, that's how you talk by the way. I had this guy and he was struggling and he came over and he started leaning on me and, and Coach Durrell's always telling us to pick our teammates up and lean on each other and whatnot. So I'm trying to help him up. Coach Wilson walks over and goes, Hey, stop letting that motherfucker lean on you. Leaning on each other ain't gonna help nobody win. You better learn how to fucking finish. We're gonna get our ass kicked. And I'm just like, yep. And he goes, and I loved it. It was incredible. Got me going, gave me, and it gave me goosebumps when he was telling me, because I've actually, I've had him say it to me before, yeah. walk over to me and go, I want you to run your ass over to the fence over there and get me three blades of grass. Like three blades of fucking grass, three blades of grass, because you don't know how to play the three technique, so we're going to teach you how to pick up three blades of grass. They're like, okay, coach, run over there, get some grass, come back. Not good enough. Go back and get me three more blades of grass. But the little tiny things like that, the stories about Doc, the stories about Coach Wilson, I don't have any fucking stories about the running back coach. I can't remember his name. So at the at the in a coaching environment, and this is the best thing that Coach Wilson ever taught me, and I take it with me every day with the job I do now. It's okay to have a great relationship with your guys and hold them unbelievably, uncritically account uh, accountable for everything they do. Yeah, all the time. 
it's okay to be unbelievably hard on them and demand that they chase the ball and encourage competition. And if they don't do it right to get on their ass like they've never had anybody crawl on their ass before. Because right afterwards, you know what he always used to do? Arm around you. You know why I'm doing this. You told me. He, I remember the first conversation I ever had with him. What are your goals, Matt? Oh, uh, you know, be, be, no, no, no. The same thing I say to the kids in here all the time. Just yeah. Don't give me the politically correct fucking answer. Right. What are your goals? I want to play on Sunday. Listen to me, and you'll play on Sundays. Yeah. And I believed him, and he was fucking right. It's great. To be I mean, here. that it's entire all-decade team is all his guys. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, I understand that from 2005 on was a shit show, but from 2000 to 2005, it wasn't. We were fucking crushing people. Yeah. So... The fact that Coach Chris Wilson is home, he's it's a massive upgrade off of Rubon. I think Jimmy is actually a pretty good coach. Yeah, yeah. He's bringing, he's got Antonio Alfano to develop, the number one player in the country. Yeah. He's got Mustafa Johnson to develop into a fucking professional pass rushing domino. I think Mustafa's the best three technique to play there since your boy. He's got... The Jason Harris kid, who's a goddamn monster, 6'7", 260-pound freshman who's going to get some run. Jalen Sammy, the big nose tackle, is 99, who I think is... I think Jalen, if he continues down the path he's on right now, is going to be as good of a player at nose tackle as Vili Mau Mau was. And Vili Mau Mau was... Vili was the best nose, pure nose tackle other than Ryan Olsen I've ever seen play at CU. And that includes Joel Steed, that includes Art Walker. Vili was unbelievable. Yeah. And then on top of all that shit, they've got Lang. Yeah. And Lang might be the best of all of them because he looks like Eric Armstead. Yeah, right. Like he's super fucking long and he's really explosive and he's only he's a baby still. He's still young. So right when this happened, and then you've got 53 behind him. Yeah. So, I, I mean, tell me I'm crazy, and I know I'm biased, but I look at that shit, and I'm working with Nate now, and we're watching tape, and I'm trying to get him to just look at it differently, and he's absorbing it like a fucking monster, because that's what he is. Yeah. How good can that front seven be, bro? I think they can be the best goddamn front seven in the Pac-12. I'm extremely concerned about the secondary. Yeah. Because I don't even know who's, I don't even know who's there. I felt like they got better as the year went on, though, and keeping Tyson Summers around is, right? Yeah, like no, they, I, I think potential's there, there's, right? There's a ton of potential. There's a ton of potential. Now, you know, what happens with potential? Well, th- this comes back to the Montez, Montez question, and then we got to go full circle to it before we get done. Um, but I think you're spot on around now having a guy like Coach Wilson there now that we've seen who he's developed and how he's developed them. And him getting working with these guys that have all this potential, he's the type of guy that's going to get get it out get of him. Exactly. Yes, yeah, and yes. That's, that's the important part. He walks in with that fucking Super Bowl ring. He didn't even need it, but now that yeah. he's got that too, yeah. And he, you know, since he left CU, he's recruited and developed Chris Jones and Fletcher Cox, and he just won a Super Bowl with the Eagles. And who was what was the best unit on that team when they won the Super Bowl? The defensive His line. Guys, yeah. His guys. Yeah. You saw what he did with Derek Barnett, and you saw what Derek Barnett did when they fired Coach Wilson. Yeah. They got rid of Coach Wilson, and Derek Barnett fell in the fucking tube, and nobody even thinks he could play anymore. Exactly. So I think Coach Wilson, especially Mustafa, the first thing I – and Mustafa and I have a good relationship. 34 can play. He knows yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I think that last year, going through all the shit he went through is almost a good thing. I know it sucked, 
I'm not trying to insinuate that being hurt and getting fucked with right. and yeah. getting cheap cut blocked at Arizona State's a good thing. That's not good. But going through the adversity is a good thing oh, because sure. I think he's a double-digit sat guy, yeah, personally. So if they can, the thing about Colorado that has really bothered me ever since we got done playing, and I actually got in trouble for this with Coach Mack one day, is when we're winning, we play really, really, really fucking hard. Mm-hmm. And when we're not winning, there's a lot of loafing. And I, I'm saying that out loud, and I, it pisses me the fuck off, and I hate it. And I think that the only thing you can control really is your effort. And if you're not playing hard all the time, get the fuck off of our field because that we bleed black and gold out here. If you want to loaf in the NFL, you're getting paid, go loaf, dude. I'm not going to sit here and act like it's okay, but I'm also not going to like harp on it too hard. But in college football, where all we have really is me being accountable to my brother and my coaches and the film, I'm playing fucking hard because I don't want to get exposed. And like, think about the Khalil Tate at game at Folsom a couple of years ago where we had guys literally walking on the field yeah. watching him score touchdowns. Think about some of the circumstances you've seen in the past where the defense isn't playing as hard as it should and we're getting embarrassed at Utah for back-to-back years and or three years in a row where they've literally just lined up and out-hit us and just beat the shit out of us. Kick our ass. Kick the shit out of us, right? Yeah. The Oregon game last year where they just lined up and beat the fucking piss out of us. Yeah. I don't see that happening anymore because I know I know one thing, and this is what I text Mustafa. You're you just got the bi- biggest gift of your life. Everybody that's lazy in that room is going to fucking hate him, mm-hmm. and he's going to hate them. Here's so it's mutual, and get ready to chase the football, brother, because you will literally run pursuit drill fifty times in a row if you don't. Yeah, here's my takeaway about everything we've talked about. And when I look back at Let's say 01 to 04, mm-hmm. right? And I can only talk about that because that's what I was part of. That's right? when we were there. You know what I mean? I, I feel like for those whatever, four or five seasons, there was success because there were guys that were playing so far beyond their potential level. Yep. It's not like we had a bunch of five stars. No. I mean, there were guys playing out of their heads. We had, right. to, we had to really work hard. We were blue-collar grunts. And, and since then, it's been the exact opposite. Where they recruit kids that look the part. No one's played to their position. And no one plays hard. And that... Other uh, than the 16 team played up. They did. They yeah, did. Yeah, they did. They uh, did. Yeah, so... but And I think that has a lot to do with coaching, man. It's all had, coaching, Bob. We had guys that we respected that coached us that we gave them everything we had. I didn't want to disappoint coach. Exactly. I couldn't walk off the, like, the most embarrassing moment of my fucking life is at Florida State when I'm a junior, and they have me on tape loafing. Yeah. And, like, the the phone call I got in the booth three seconds after it happened, and me having to think about it for three days after we got our ass kicked in Tallahassee on national TV, and me having to walk off the field and sit down and hear the fucking phone ring and go, I know who that is, and pick up the phone and have him go, I just watched Gabe run by you. Do you need a fucking break? No. Run to the fucking ball and do your job right now. Click. And I remember it like it was yesterday. And I made a promise to myself on the sideline. At that point, I will never allow that to happen to me again. And it, it it's, it's the beauty of the game. And it's the beauty of personal accountability. And it's also the beauty of a quality coach and man. You can't put a price tag on it. And the fact that he's back here... No. Fuck, dude. I'm so happy about it. Coach, we love you. Thank God you're home. Lastly, last thing I want to talk to you about, okay? 
I need to know if you think this is true too. I was on. I'm on. I'm the filling guy at altitude. Yeah. All right. So, Masters of the Midday. We Harris Hastings and Dover. Not us. It's we motherfuckers. All right. The royal we. You know the editorial. I dropped off the damn money. <laughs> Stephen Montez. They interviewed him, and he said in the interview that he's not going to work out at pro day. He's not even going to do shit. He's not even going to throw. Number one, he ran four five. Where was that four or five shit? And number two, I think it's a massive, 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 massive red flag that he's not throwing at Pro Day, that he's not in the media room, that he's not doing protection work, that he's not getting in the, that he's just going to stand there in a hoodie and smile and shake hands as if he is Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow can do that shit. Herbert can do that shit. They cannot throw at Pro Day if they want to. And I hope that I misheard him, and I hope that he's at least throwing to Tony Brown. I know LaVisco's not going to work out, yeah, right. but Tony needs you to go throw to him. Like, even if you don't want to do it, don't you want to go pick your guy up? I think Tony might be a better prospect than LaVisca in the long run anyway. I think LaVisca's Cordell Patterson, and I think Tony Brown's Malcolm Thomas. Well, I think the deal with, with Steven is... He's probably got somebody in his ear right now because... I know he does. He's called Jordan Palmer. He ran a great 40. So, and then, you, you know, you want you kind of want to leave it as, look at, the, look at the last thing I did and how great it was. Well, not, move him to tight end and throw him the ball. Well, I mean, not that he, not that he would have a bad day throwing it because, that, I mean, he's got a huge arm and he can make every throw, right? So, I, I think it's just somebody's in his ear right now saying, you don't need to work out. You showed everybody. You ran under four six. You can make all the throws. So I mean, you don't not, know you don't know what an overfront is. I mean, I don't agree with him not doing it. I'm just saying that's the situation. Well, uh, as a quarterback, bro, can I just? You've gone five and seven three years, and you're three years starting. We had opportunities in the last month of the season, and where? What's the mantra in Boulder? The last month of the season is all that really fucking matters, and champions are made. Champions are made in November, right? Yeah. That's what I always fucking remember you're right, you're thinking right. about and yeah. talking about. You know, when in in two thousand and four, in two thousand fucking one, we had to run the table in November to get what we wanted, and we did. In yeah. two thousand and four, we had to run the table in November after being four and four and one and three in the big or one and four in the Big Twelve. We had to go to Kansas and win, win Kansas State, beat Nebraska. And then we played Oklahoma and they shit stomped us. But still, you finish, you win, and you're a champion. Yeah. Bam, we win the division. We three fucking straight years of five and seven. I can give a shit how fast he runs. That's great. I'm glad you ran four or five. Awesome. I'm glad you're an athlete and you can make all the throws. I don't think he's a winner, and I don't. I don't think he knows what he's doing. I bet you, if I brought him into this room and I said, "Steven, get on this board over here and let's watch some of this NFL All Twenty Two tape," that's actually what we watch in the meeting rooms, and let's get you on the board and let's see if you can align eleven three by one tight end ISO bunch to the field. Okay, and then a line under, Sam Stack, strong safety force, cover one fence man, walk the will, show me a three-man protection to accommodate under, why are they running under, where's the squeeze gap, how do we run power out of it, what's the force player indicate, why are we worried about Pirate, what does this mean, who's Don Capers, what does Pirate Blitz mean, where's the Blitzer coming from, where's the dropper going, where's the mesh point, what does Robber mean, what does Tampa mean, and can you do all that in three and a half seconds, because if you don't fucking know... We're going to run A-gaps, do Mike Will Cross, and hit you in your fucking teeth, and you're never going to play. Um, I think you're right in regards to the fact that 
there, there's going to be a huge learning curve for that young man when he gets in the NFL. Is he a draft pick just based on his 40? Probably, his right? Arm. I mean, look, uh, Steve is a hell of a talent. Yeah. I'm not if he were he if he were to hear this and he gets pissed off at me criticizing mental and the five and seven thing and the winner thing, bro. I can't see out of my left eye. You don't see me driving fucking NASCAR. I don't get angry when somebody says something true. Yeah, right. I didn't do everything perfect. I was very limited as a player. I got cut a bunch. I was undrafted. I, I'm far from perfect, but I understand what I'm looking at also. My problem is, why are we not trying to fix the problem? And I'm more concerned that he's not going to go throw to Tony Brown that he is not working out. Like, why do you not want to help your own fucking guy? Well, and here's what that's the team shit and the winner thing to me. And here's my here's my take on him. I don't think he's a great leader. He's I don't think he's a guy that walked in the huddle and demanded respect. All the other ten guys were like, "Okay, he's here. It's all good. Don't worry about it." Because one thing I can say about you and I and look, I was on the defensive side of the ball, but I know this for a fact. Craig Oaks is a very talented fucking player. Maybe one of the most talented talented quarterbacks I've ever around, both in high school and college. The shit I used to watch Craig do, I know you'd same way. I'd be like, incredible. holy shit, did you see that? Yeah. But he was a mental cripple when it came to pressure and leadership. And he couldn't, he couldn't, like, he's not a chameleon like you are. He couldn't fucking... Talk to Dre and Vic and Dan the way that you did. He couldn't get Wayne and Bates to buy in the way you did. He couldn't get Chris to go from having no carries at Iowa State to having six touchdowns in one week because you are the one calming his ass down and telling him not to overreact and we're going to need you down the road. I remember you talking to him at Iowa State about it. Cortland's going out there. Cortland's going for fucking 120 some odd yards rushing and 100 yards receiving. Yeah. There's no other player since then has done that at CU. Nobody since Cortland Johnson in 01 at Iowa State has gone for over 100 yards receiving and over 100 yards rushing in one game. That's crazy. I don't think it so, like, anyways. Yeah. And if anybody has, it's probably Phil Lindsay in 2016. And yeah, I don't right. think it's happened. That was one of the most incredible performances ever. And then what happened? CJ got hurt against Nebraska. Yeah. He hurt his ankle and he's out of the game. And I remember you. I remember hearing you say it to Chris on the sideline at Iowa State. Just be calm. We don't need you this week. We're going to need you next week. And then it just happened for two. And then Chris blew up. The calming effect of quality leadership, though, this is full circle what we're talking about, Bob. Yeah, I know. And why you can have great talent in a guy like Craig Oaks, but he's so wrapped up in just the fact that he's talented, that he doesn't have anything other substance. To fall back on. And if you mix your talent with actual character, substance, and integrity and leadership, Bob, that's what we get. So my point is this. Cepho, if you could take Cepho's fucking brain and heart and put it in Montez's body, he might win the Heisman. Fuck! Seriously. You're right. I mean, you're right. So why is he so coveted just on physical ability? This is exactly my problem with football. Well, I mean... Listen, I don't think he's a. I bet you, he, I bet you they reach, bro. I bet you he goes third round. I was gonna say third would probably be the highest. That's a reach, though. I agree with you. I thought he wasn't even a fucking draft pick when we got done with the with the season. I'd be, I was like, I literally after I watched him play at Oregon, I was like, there's no way this kid's gonna draft. How many guys that get drafted at that position that don't win? Because I mean, that's this is kind of my point. Even so, like, look at the. 
the kid Jordan Love from Utah State that's that's like being projected mocked to the Raiders at twelve. Yeah, he only had twenty touchdowns, seventeen picks, right? And he had a great workout, but Utah State won like eleven games. Exactly. And they were, you know, they were a play away from playing in the fucking in like where Memphis played and they got hammered by Penn State in the Fiesta Bowl, whatever that was. That was that the non-group. Yeah. Can't teach those intangible things, right? You can't teach is that, be, and that's really what they're looking for at the position. Yeah, I mean, you can't teach somebody how to be a leader. You can't teach somebody how to be calm. You can't All right, teach so let me ask this question to... then. It, do you feel that they are going to keep searching for the physical talent first and then hoping he's they can teach him those things? I don't think you can teach it, though. I think you can hone it. And you can pull it out of somebody that it's there. But I don't necessarily think that I can teach you how to be a leader. You either are a leader or you're not one. I mean, I think that's the, the coolest thing about the quarterback position, right? There's 32 jobs in the NFL that, can, that play that role. And how many of them are actually really good? 12. Exactly. Maybe. Exactly. A really good shit, 10. Yeah. I mean, because uh, it takes... I don't know. You got it. What's mean, really good mean? You know, well, like it's really, it's a really hard question to answer. True. Okay. So, it well, takes, just like upper echelon elite players, maybe eight to ten. Yeah, I mean, and, but all those guys have, they're physically talented and they have all the intangibles. They're smart. They're leaders. They're cool. They're calm. The dudes rally around them. Like they look to them because they know that guy's going to make it all right. So, so would you rather have, if you had look. I know we've in even the situation when you with you in college where you and Craig are battling for the job. The guy who, no offense, are, is more physically gifted probably got the job. But the guy, <laughs> the guy who actually could play the position and is a leader is the one that finished the job. Everyone forgets that Craig was healthy the entire month of November and December and he didn't play. Yeah. Well, so, but but I just I know you don't like talking about it because you're humble Bob, but I don't give a fuck. I'll talk about it all day. I you're, I'm praising it. I thought it was it's something that doesn't get brought up enough when you're talking about that situation. They easily could have been like it's the Tom Brady Drew Bledsoe thing. It, I mean, fuck. It's a little bit bigger there, but at the well, same yeah. time, Drew's probably a more physically gifted player than By Tom far. at that point. Yeah. But Bill saw in Tom what he was looking for to motivate the group. Yeah. Gary saw in you what he needed to motivate the entire group, not just play quarterback well. I mean, I, I would take, you know, sure, do I wish I had more physical abilities? Yeah, me I, too, but, fuck. Yeah, but I mean. I'd love to be as physically gifted as Brayton was. <laughs> right. I mean, goddamn. But the fun part of what we did was because, I mean, we had a group of guys that, so awesome. that excelled to a level. I mean, because I think my the intangibles that I brought to the table – allowed me to play at a physical level that I probably never would have gotten to because it, it everybody else rallied around me, which yeah. made me better. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Which made it made the guys up front play better, which made our running game better, which made my job when I had to drop back and throw it a hell of a lot easier. So doesn't that, isn't that, and lastly, isn't that a huge red flag? And that's exactly why the show's <laughs> over because people are now calling me. Sorry about that. Isn't that a huge red flag, though? When you've gone five and seven, three I, years in a row. I think I, I I would have a heart unless he's sitting down and he his interviews are just so blowing people's mind. But and they're, they're probably not. But I don't see that from him either from the times that I've been around him doing radio stuff. Um, 
So, I, you know, I, I'm interested. I hope, I really, really hope that he proves us wrong. I do too. I, 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 I hope Steven, he has all the success in the world. Steven, bro, I hope that you hear this and it pisses you off and you use it as motivation and you get on the radio and say that goddamn McChesney guy's full of shit. <laughs> Fuck him. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I'd love for you to be successful, bro. So, I really hope you are. All the guys up there at Pro Day next week, good luck. Uh, Bob, thanks for so much for coming course, in and brother. doing this, bro. It's Anytime, always fun man. having you down here. Uh, that was a great show, folks. Episode 67 is a motherfucking rap, as they say. I am your host, Matt McChesney. That is Bobby Pesavino, the one and only. Bob, how do they get a hold of you on Twitter? I think it's just at Bobby Pesavino. He doesn't even know. That's what the kind of guy we love. <laughs> All right. Now, go make sure you check everything out at thednvr.com. Check out at Six Zero Academy on Twitter and Instagram. At DNVR on Unchained is the Twitter account for the show. Uh, and then also on the Apple Podcast platform, you can go on there and subscribe and you'll get all the shows. Remember, it is an adult show. And if you don't like me cursing, too fucking bad. <clears throat> Goodbye, folks. Have a great day. Go Buffs.